Good morning, and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, one step closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. Hi, Stacey. Good morning, John. How are you doing? I am fantastic. I am living the life of luxury um, in beautiful California where I don't, everything comes to me. I no longer have to leave my house. Maybe I'm not allowed to. I forget which one it is, but, <laughs> but it's. It's something. Yeah. It's something. We're it's having something. kind of a cool spell here. How about you? Well, that's nice. Well, we're not hitting a cool, cool spell. We're, we're we're quite up there still in the 90s and, and 100s. Uh, so the temperature's quite hot, and uh, the sun has been shining here um, in between some thunderstorms uh, in North Carolina. But same thing, still staying inside. I, I will have to say, I, I was laughing pretty hard yesterday or, or earlier this week. Someone had posted their their new counterpart in their office, which is basically the growing sort of Amazon box that was just sort of like creating a very person looking form in their house. Right. So I was like, I think we're all sort of there, right. Um, our, our delivery bags, our Amazon boxes are all that is growing for everyone who has that luxury is, is probably a better way to say it. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it, you know, and it's been somewhat of a quiet week on the news front this week. So, you know, I, I think it's, if people are taking vacations and um, we've seen a resurgence of sort of homegrown vacations or road trips, basically, from a lot of people. I've seen a lot of people who have taken up into the mountains or found a local home that they could sort of run out. I think that this is definitely the, the, the couple of weeks people are doing it. So, um, or either stay vacation, staying at home, but, but taking time off of work and, and probably well needed for everybody right now. So, so yeah, it's, it's been pretty good so far. And are, have you been busy this week or are you seeing the same kind of slowdown that I'm seeing? I've been, I've been busy, but my, my world operates at, at somewhat different rhythms, right? The, the people who had, who raised money in the spring are now in the middle of development cycles. And so, so I'm, I'm hearing a lot about new functionality and new products coming to market. So my, my world is moving. Actually, this is today is a particularly busy day for me because of all of the stuff that's happening around. And so um, I'm not seeing anything like a slowdown, but, I'm talking to a lot of people who would have been raising money last week who yeah. are now quiet and uh, getting some work done this week. Good point, yeah. Um, things on, on our end are actually not slow yet, I would say. We just wrapped up the um, annual HR system survey, and so just a big thank you to everyone who listens to us who participates in the survey. Um, we got over 2,400 professionals to respond to the survey this year. Admit what I was, you know, arguably the most difficult year we've had in a very long time. Um, so a big thank you to everyone who participated to the annual HR system survey for CR Cedar and House Sapien Insights Group. Um, so excited to start digging into the data. So my my busy season is just picking up because I am now cleaning everything. We'll we'll end up probably with a, a bit less because we end up cleaning out duplicates and cleaning out you know organizations that we can't validate the data from. But just wow, the amount of data that we've got this year, uh, considering where everybody's been at, has been amazing. So. So I'm like you. It, our, our cycles are a little different, I think, than everybody else. So is everybody ch- sending snapshots of their great camping pictures or their, you know, stay-at-home backyard vacations? 
Um, I've been hunched over a computer looking at numbers the last couple of days, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and I just want to underline what what you're talking about. The amount of work that's required to fill out the survey. This is this is not 2,400 people answered 30 questions about whether or not they like their boss. This is yeah. this is a detailed look at the HR technology stack in 2,400 com- companies, and it takes hours and hours. This is this is way more complicated than a mortgage application or or, or some income tax form. This is this is a lot of work on the part of those people who responded and, and they deserve your thanks. It is definitely. The thing that always amazes me is I usually get, and we did, we got to the last week and we have people who, you know, email us and are like, can you hold it open for a couple more days? Can you give me a little bit longer? Our team is working on this. And you know, when you hear that a team is working on your research, making sure that it's filled out appropriately, right? That just, I, that's just something I had never experienced before I came to see our Cedar um, and the work that we do here now under the Sapient Insights brand. It, like I said, this this research has always been something that I think for me um, has just been amazing to see not only how much people invest in it, but how much they feel it gives back to them too. Because every time I, I talk to, to professionals, they're like, yeah, it, it really helps me think through my HR technology stack. And I think, you know, I don't know about what you're seeing, John, but what I'm seeing is that a lot of people are taking this opportunity, whether it's overly busy in their work environment and their HR technology has been sort of stretched to the max, or whether it's because things are quiet and they've had to sort of furlough or lay off a lot of people in their organization, so their HR system has been sort of altered uh, at, uh, at multiple levels, people are taking this summer to sort of reevaluate their HR technology stack in a way that I haven't seen for a couple of years. And, you know, it's, it's causing them to answer different questions, to ask different things, to, to look for different things in their environments. I don't know if you're seeing that because I know you're seeing the development side of it, but are the vendors understanding that that's what's happening right now? I'm not sure. I'm not sure that it's as clear in the marketplace as it is to you. you. You have this really interesting edge on what's going on. And so what is clear is that a lot of the work that HR was asked to do, they didn't have systems to do and don't have systems to yeah. do. So HR is going to be responsible for managing all sorts of aspects of health going forward and navigating the um, – Navigating the difference between what we used to think of as privacy and what privacy has to functionally be to get the economy working. Yeah. And those are big, hard, complicated questions, and the HR tech systems never anticipated that we'd have that sort of problem. And so so part of what's causing this reevaluation is when people turn to their HR tech system, it didn't do what they needed it to do. Yeah, that, that's a great way, I think, of synthesizing it. it. It didn't do what they needed to do, whether they were overly um, inundated with, with change orders or needs to redeploy skilled workers or the needs to sort of um, think through their workforce's, you know, current safety standards or whether they had to, 
make really difficult decisions about furloughing or layoffs or even, you know, removing whole parts of their businesses, right? You know, I, I read a great article last week about Airbnb and what happens when a culture that's sort of built around we're all family, we're all, you know, in this together, um, what happens when that kind of an organization has such a downturn, right, as they've had in this market and has to start to lay people off? And, you know, that's that's a really, you know, difficult conversation about culture, but it's an even more difficult conversation when you have to sort of make the choices with the HR data that you've been sort of touting we've been using for other things, right? And so it's, it's a really hard place for HR to be right now. But there, I think what I'm hearing most from everyone is excitement's probably not the right word, but interest in getting it right if they have to do it again, right? This is going to be a really informative time. It's going to cause a whole lot of innovation. And I don't, I don't want you to take away the idea that I think this is something the vendors screwed up. I think, I think had there been a product out there that did all of the things that people needed to do in the pandemic, nobody would have bought it. HR is a very, very difficult market to sell things, and people only pay for things that they are certain they need right now. And that kind of purchasing behavior has come around to bite HR and, and, its, and its sort of environment, its culture, um, right square in the butt. Right? Yeah. There are things that you need to buy and need to have even if you don't ever use them. You know, in, in California, if you don't have a crowbar under your bed, you're a nutcase because when your house falls down from the earthquake, which it will, um, you need to be able to pry the roof off of you. And so you've got to have this crowbar under your bed. But if you're really lucky, you don't ever have to use it. Yeah. Uh, and And... That kind of thinking is not part. You know, you you look at you look at procurement related stuff all the time, um, yeah. and uh, there's there's nothing out there that's you know put a little bit away in case of emergencies functionality in the software. Um, and so I think that might change a little bit. I think that's something we might talk about a bit. What do you need just in case, and how do you tell what's enough? Yeah, no, I actually think that's a, a really great topic right now. And like I said, I think HR is, that's the conversation they're interested in having right now because they've been talking about it. It's not like HR didn't say, oh, this was important on some level. It's that, you know, when they were building business cases, it was really hard to make those kind of business cases, right? It was much easier to make a business case about a wellness tool that would save them X amount of money or a, you know, a talent management system that could be used so that you could sort of um, think more about, you know, keeping that top talent, right, not redeploying your talent across the organization because that just seemed like it caused more heartache inside the organization and more difficult conversations. I think these kind of conversations we're talking about are, are really important, but it's not just HR that sort of had to have a wake-up call. It's the business leaders, too, because I think the business leaders similarly were living – what I would call it very much of the edge, right? You know, cut the um, workforce, you know, to the optimized level, think about the numbers to the optimized level, you know, preparing for risk and adversity means you leave a little bit of room so that you can, you can flex when you need to, right? And I don't think anybody was really 
um, doing that effectively. No, no, we were on the keto diet. The entire economy yeah. was on the keto diet. <laughs> and and exactly. we, need some more, we need some more carbs, right? Um, and, yeah. and so. That's, that's going to be your, things, your things new are, story. Things are about to get, <laughs> things are about to get interesting. So what is in yeah. the mailbag? Well, it's, it's, like I said, it was somewhat quiet, but there's still some interesting things that I think are, are worth talking about this week. Um, we we did get one of the first, I don't know if it's the first, but, you know, they're stating it's the first that um, uh, Virginia approved uh, the nation's first emergency temporary standard. Now, of course, that's the word temporary and emergency standard in there for COVID-19 pandemic. But really what it comes down to is they've um, put together a standard for opening up work environments. And, and that, I think, is something interesting because we have not really had at, at a, at a um, regional or a statewide or a definitely at a country level here in the States a requirement of what you have to do for workers to keep them safe before you can bring them back to work or once they're in the work environment um, with the COVID-19 environment. And without that kind of re regulations and requirement, each company is kind of taking their own stance, which also means that employees are less likely to have the ability to sort of push back against that. So there's that that's going on right now. We also have, there was some money that was distributed. This was more last week than this week, but I think it's worth a conversation. Um, Lattice, which is a performance management organization, raised $45 million in Series D funding, which means they've gone pretty deep into the funding process um, for their um, uh, performance management sort of performance and goals uh, tool. Uh, we also got some news from one of our, our good friends um, uh, over at Velocity Network. So uh, you've got Cameron, who sort of works on that, um, that many of us know and have, have talked to. Uh, Velocity Network is um, demonstrating the art of the possible for the Internet of Careers. And basically what that means is that they are now announcing um, a release of their Testnet 2.0, which is the Velocity Experience Center, which is their sort of career credentialing tool. And so we can talk a little bit about that. And, you know, are there others in the market who are doing similar things? And where is that going to end up? Um, Salesforce ended up killing off Einstein Voice Assistant. Um, you know, we're going to see, I think, probably a lot of things people were sort of putting out there as a test runs um, that definitely didn't take off during the pandemic. Um, Einstein's voice assistant might be one of them. And then um, there's also some interesting research that came up where um, researchers at uh, Chalmers, I'm not sure if I'm saying that correct, University of Technology, but um, found that they were able to use an AI system to strip identifiable attributes like gender from speech recordings. Um, this has a, a huge impact on something like biases and recruiting and those type of things, and so probably worth a conversation. And if we have any time, Amazon's opening health clinics for employees. Now, that's not something as a new idea. We've had health clinics open for large organizations. I mean, in the HR tech space in San Francisco, I'm sure Google has their on-campus healthcare and Facebook has their on-campus healthcare, but it's generally not been done in an hourly work environment as much. Um, and so I think it's worth a conversation about what does healthcare look like um, across the country, you know, in this, this next generation um, of the market. So not a, a lot of different topics, but, but any place in there, John, that you're interested in maybe diving in a little bit deeper today? 
Oh, let's start at the top. And I just uh, so I I took a quick scan of the new Virginia standard, and uh, let me let me let me tell you, we we just don't know enough about what's going on yet to be able to say um, uh, that 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 here are the here are the things you need to do to open up. For instance, in the in the Virginia standard, it doesn't address bathrooms, um, and um, one of the things I've been talking with people about this week is how exactly you do bathrooms when you go back to work, right? Because you can't, you, in most corporate bathrooms, you can't have two people in it and have social distancing. And if there was ever a place where uh, bodily fluids were in the air, um, this is it, right? And yep. so, And so you probably have to clean it after every use in order to keep it safe or have a, um, a ventilation system that sucks all the bad juice out before you go back in or, or, or something like that. But, but nobody's talking about this stuff. Right. And so, so it's sort of, remember, remember when nine 11 happened and we had years and years and years of security theater at the airport. Um, yeah. this is like pandemic, pandemic healthcare theater. Um, <laughs> the actual problems aren't being addressed, uh, but we have things for show. So I, I'm not I'm not a big fan of this Virginia thing. Yeah, I, I get your thoughts on it. I understand it, but but I think we have to at least start somewhere, right? I think the fact that there has been no standards at a state or or um, uh, at a federal level, right, leaves um, employees at a real risk of being able to battle any of these conversations, right? Um, once a, a government at least puts in some standards, then companies who are completely blatantly not doing anything they should be doing at least can be held accountable to those facts. But I agree, this is definitely not strong enough and definitely doesn't cover. It, same thing with, you know, elevators or small spaces or, you know, they, they, they mention here specifically um, meatpacking, you know, facilities and stuff, you know, those environments with different types of ventilation, they haven't really addressed, I think, some of the most egregious things, but at least they started to put a little bit of teeth into it because it's just been driving me nuts. I don't know, uh, your partner, Heather, probably has a much better, you know, take on this, but I just, knowing how employment law works, that you have to have something that you can say someone was sort of breaking a regulation oftentimes to start the conversation. Um, otherwise, you've just got to yeah, prove that, that they put your health at risk, right? I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But this this is from the the we need to hurry back to work school of thought. Um, and yeah. The mistake the mistake that a lot of people make is believing that there's going to be the same place we stopped going to is the place that we're going back to, and that's just not true. Yeah. It's not true. The work environment, in order to be safe, the work environment is nothing like you imagine. So, so it, it, you're right. This this process needs to start needs to start somewhere. This is probably as good a start as you could get. Uh, but there are a lot of things we don't know, and going back to work is dangerous, even if your company meets these requirements. Yeah, no, completely agree with that. Yeah, and and that's the sad part is that there are a lot of employees who won't have a choice in this. Um, and so, like anything else in our in our market, it's you know, 
it will be up to oftentimes an HR professional to put forward to their organization what risks they're taking and what risks they're putting people at. Um, um, and that's a, a rough place to be for HR today right now. So, yeah. Yep. Yep. That's the job today. Okay. And next was, what was, what was after that? Well, uh, we were talking a little bit about Lattice. I mean, Lattice is a performance management organization. $45 million is a lot of money, especially at a Series D level. That means they've gone through three additional rounds of funding, and they don't quite give the total amount that they've now raised in, in sort of the this particular article. Um, but, you know, I just wonder, you know, is there space for a standalone performance management tool in the market right now? And, and that's what Lattice is for the most part. Um, well-known, good naming, good branding. I think, you know, you've seen their, their brand around, but it really is a tool that does goals and, you know, performance reviews and, you know, you know check-ins, but it, it sort of does it with the idea that now we can sort of stretch the idea of, of, of how you think about performance and stretch the idea of, of how I move people around my organization, that kind of a thing. Is this, is this what we need right now with, with everything that we were just talking about? You, you know, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the conventional ideas of performance management. Most of this stuff, right? Right. A performance management is tool is something that you go to periodically to make sure the documents are in order so that when I tell you, you're not getting a raise this year, I've got the evidence for it. Um, or when I tell you you're getting a raise, I can explain why. Um, and that's not how performance management works, right? Performance management is exactly what the relationship between the supervisor and the employee looks like. And, and in well-executed relationships, there is um, a sort of Goldilocks approach to just enough involvement to make sure that the employee is on the right track, doing the right things, feeling good about it, and getting the results they want while developing the way that they want. And sometimes that requires very intricate, detailed connection, and sometimes you can wait three or four months to have a conversation. It sort of depends on the level of maturity of the employee in the area that they're working in. And um, the point of performance management tools is to somehow standardize that rhythm across the organization. And you can't do it. You can't do it. That's not how work works, right? And so this is this is some big management idea about how work should work. <laughs> and, and, and these systems always get abandoned. They always get abandoned. And, and there's a new generation of stuff. And still, it gets abandoned um, because the people who design this stuff have theories about what work is like, but they don't really have much experience with what work is like. So, so yeah. you can you can see the argument for there being a market here, but but I'm not sure that one more additional way of looking at how, what we're doing regularly actually generates value. I think that that's probably why they're still raising money instead of making a profit. Well, and, and I think it's, you know, the, the opposite perspective of this kind of a, a system, you know, I think it, it's interesting. You actually had, I think, an, an article written um, this week in HR Examiner about it, which is sort of the idea of, of 
organizations or tools that, that track the work you're doing and that and in that work, sort of getting the work done, you know, performance is, is sort of assessed, but only as a side note to the fact that you're in the system getting the work done. And that's I, um, systems like Movilla uh, with Mike Sanka do a little bit of that, right? The idea of our goals and our strategies, connecting that, not because we're tracking it for a performance review, but because we're trying to figure out how to get the work done. And as a byproduct of getting the work done, something comes out of that that talks about performance. I mean, do you think that's a more realistic model that we're going to see come out in the market and, and actually will come out with some, some outcomes for organizations? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I was looking at a new performance management system earlier this week, and they had rankings of employees in a, in a work group, and at the top of the pile was the employee who met all of their goals on time, and at the bottom of the pile was somebody who met about 40% of their goals and um, missed a lot of stuff and just didn't finish a bunch of stuff. And so I said, okay, which one of those employees is the most valuable employee? And of course it's the one who doesn't make their goals on time because they're constantly <laughs> being pulled off to solve other problems. Um, exactly, yeah. right, right. <laughs> right? And so that's, there you have the problem. There yeah. you have the problem. If if the world was full of people who were really good at checking all of the boxes, and that's what performance looked like, then then rank ordered performance management systems would be great, <laughs> right? But 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 getting the job done doesn't really necessarily mean accomplishing all of the goals you set out to accomplish. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that may or, that may or may not be important, and the assumption that it is important is where the trouble comes from. You know, I, I love that that analogy, and I, and I think it's so true, right? It makes you know sometimes makes me feel a little bit that I'm not the kind of person that checks all the boxes. Oftentimes, but but I do think that that's the it, you have to look at the work first before you ever begin to look at a goal that was set to be achieved, right? Um, and that's that's the dialogue that I think we've unfortunately forgotten in some of the HR systems. So yeah, so it'll be interesting to see uh, where that heads. Now we've got just a few moments. Do we want to talk a little bit about what's going on in the blockchain space? I mean. Uh, velocity is something we've been talking about for for a little while. It's uh, like I said, it's been, it's been sort of pulled together by a consortium of a lot of HR-based organizations. Um, you know, we've got um, some really big names who are who are part of of this particular consortium um, for building a career credentialing management site. Um, SAP and Oracle and all of them are, are part of this one, ultimate. But is this? Do you think that? Um, the career credentialing site is is sort of the best use for where blockchain can go, and and is this going to be sort of how do you think about which which of these consortiums to buy into to some extent, right? Well, I'm just thinking we should do this every week because we're not going to have have time to cover it, but we should definitely make this the topic of next week's show because yeah. the, the, it's really interesting. There's a an industry consortium that's all the software vendors. And then there is a um, Chamber of Commerce funded initiative that's got really powerful backing um, yep. that has 300 employers. Now, which system are you going to use? The one that's come up as a standard by the software companies or the one that's come up as a standard by the, by the employers? Well, I think 
the one that's being done by the employers has better legs. Uh, uh, and there's probably room for many. You, you know, this may be like all of the systems we've seen recently that pretend to connect everything together. That that that, that there is just a, a massive proliferation of systems that connect things together. And so, so I see 30 companies working on this problem in a variety of ways, and there's no coordination amongst all of the efforts. There are these little federated pockets. And so we should talk about that at length next time. Yeah, definitely. And maybe we can talk a little bit about what what kind of standards, and maybe that's the, the, the more interesting conversation, right, that you need to have in place to sort of know which of these can connect and how do they connect. Because um, that's, I think, a, a conversation that I've seen. There's a large consortium that I know of that, that's being built out of the Asia-Pacific market, right, which is a whole different, I think, group of organizations and group of companies and entities. Um, and they came to um, the association that I'm part of, the IRAM, um, to to ask if they would sort of oversee the standard framework, just that, you know, validate that the kind of things that they're putting into this are valid. And that was an interesting conversation. It wasn't, you know, how do you build it, but it was, you know, what things should we be all sort of adhering to? So, yeah, no, I think it's definitely, we should definitely add it to next week's um, conversation about, you know, what is, this career management credentialing, personal credentialing, um, blockchain um, conversation, because we're starting to get big companies now doing this. I think it's a big conversation. This is not just pie in the sky. These are big companies who are investing lots of money in this now, so it's worth having a conversation about. Cool. All right. Thanks for doing this again, Stacey. You've been listening to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. We will see you back here next week. Bye-bye now. Thanks, everyone. Bye.